Are you or someone you love struggling with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, self-harm, raging ups and downs, or thoughts of suicide? Are these behaviors affecting all aspects of your life, including the relationships with those you love the most? Are you feeling hopeless and desperate for long-lasting peace and relief from your irrational behavior, but feel like the therapies you've tried have just become a short-term band-aid? I have. I've been there, and I know how you're feeling. From relationship pain and personal shame, I've been through it all. And because I've been there, I also know how difficult it can be to climb the mental wellness mountain on your own. That's why I started White Rock Mental Fitness. At White Rock Mental Fitness, you'll get personal training from someone who knows, from personal experience, how to deal with your mental health challenges. How? Just like a personal trainer helps you lose physical weight and get your body in shape, I help my clients lose mental weight and get their minds in shape, and I teach you what you need to know to stay in shape. Unlike expensive coaches and therapists, we offer affordable, customized, personal mental fitness training to guide you through the process of overcoming your specific mental health struggles. If you're ready to get happy and stay happy, visit whiterockmentalfitness.com where we help you go from barely hanging on to superhero strong. That's whiterockmentalfitness.com. Hey there, everybody, from beautiful Cardston, Alberta, Canada. My name is Dave Miller, and welcome back to the Mentally Ill Mentor Podcast, where we discuss the secrets of how you or someone you love can begin winning the battle with depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide, and really all things related to mental health. And you know, after my own personal battle of over 20 years with those things, I am now on an all-out mission to guide you and as many other people as I can in creating a life of lasting hope, happiness, and purpose. So thank you for being here with me today. Well, today I want to start with a little true story. And this true story begins uh, maybe five minutes ago. (laughs) You're going to like this. So here I am talking away into my microphone, absolutely loving talking to you. I'm recording this podcast episode. Everything's going great. I'm in the flow, right? We're talking about self-love and I am going on and on and it is just so wonderful and I'm connecting with you even though I don't even, you know, I haven't met you before and we're talking and I'm talking and talking and and then I, I went over to one part of my screen. I won't tell you the software company that I've been using to record this episode. And it's like stopped recording. And I'm going, okay. <sighs> How long have I been talking with, you know, the record button off? So that was a little disappointing. And I began to think about what to do. And into my mind came some negative words about myself and what I had, you know, the situation I had put myself in, the time I had wasted, how that was going to affect things for the rest of my day, 
how that would affect how Amy looked at my use of time for today. And then I remembered my topic was self-love and that one of the things we're going to be talking about today, because now I'm starting the episode again, is changing our internal dialogue as an act of self-love and being able to show ourselves unconditional love. So I thought, okay, Dave, I have a choice here. I can do like Oprah says, and I can, no, let me rephrase that. I can do what my natural inclination is here to kind of go, oh, Dave, what an idiot you are. Like you didn't figure this out that this could have happened. Like, why didn't you, you know, kind of think of all different angles of this or whatever, you know, so that this didn't happen. You didn't lose this. Well, it's probably like 40 minutes. Or I could say to myself, as Oprah says, in the, there are five stages of grief, and I'm not wanting to, to minimize grief, but in this case, maybe grieving a little bit over the loss of my recording. And she said, a lot of people spend time on the four other stages, which include anger, etc. But stage five is acceptance. And if you can jump to acceptance relatively quickly, all the nasty stuff and the nasty negative emotions that go on inside us, we can let them go. So I decided to jump right to acceptance. And I want to let you know that we're just going to start over again right now. And maybe this will be even better because it's the second time I'm recording it. So let's jump in. I just think so highly of Oprah. I don't believe and kind of follow every single thing she says, but I have been listening to and her audiobook with Dr. Bruce, Bruce Perry lately. Um, and it's just been incredible. I'm almost all the way done it now. It's all about trauma. And it's also about when you have when you recognize uh, behaviors, and in particular, abnormal behaviors, such as those that accompany poor mental health, right? The ones that you and I talk about every day or every week on this podcast. The question that we really should be asking ourselves rather than what's wrong with you is... What happened to you? And if we can ask that question, we automatically become less judgmental and we automatically um, begin to dig deep into the causes behind the quote unquote abnormal behavior. I believe that this question, what happened to you rather than what's wrong with you, is a great internal dialogue question to ask ourselves. What happened to you? So what happened to me to cause me to feel some of the negative feelings that I've been feeling, right? When you're having challenges with your mental health. Okay. So because I have been listening to this audiobook, and so Oprah's kind of on my mind and because I have really loved everything they've talked about, and it's really helped me to understand trauma and how trauma in childhood and even later in adulthood can really affect our behavior in a very negative way, I wanted to go to Oprah to figure out more about self-love. And I had some experiences on the weekend, which I described in detail. 
in the episode, which is now gone. So to get to acceptance, I'm not going to go through a lot of that stuff. I realize it's not super relevant. It was fun for me to go on and on and describe it. But suffice it to say, at this point in time, some experiences I had on the weekend with feeling really good about myself and my life and then feeling not very good about myself um, and wondering, am I really maybe so broken that I'm unfixable? And that not that my life is bad, but maybe me and... How can I describe this? My hope for getting better is their hope. Um, Those were some of my thoughts, and this is sort of uh, an ongoing thing for me, although meditation has made this particular thought that often runs through my mind um, much less pervasive. So as I thought more and more about this, you know, is there really hope for me being able to get better? Well, I realized that all people make mistakes. All people feel good some days, bad other days. I just tend to be one of those highly sensitive people who, when I feel good, I'm feeling really good, like 10 times more good than other people. But when I'm feeling bad and I'm feeling down on myself and I'm regretting um, making mistakes or I'm feeling like my life isn't as good, as it could be, and I'm focusing on the negative, often I feel like 10 times worse than other quote-unquote normal people might feel. So that brought me to a thought that I've had in my mind for a few days now. How do I increase my level of self-love? Because I think some of these abnormal, quote-unquote, abnormal behaviors, ones that I'm not too happy with and have led me to the feeling of, is there really hope for Dave Miller? You know, yes, I'm a good guy, all these things, but these behaviors that I don't like that I'm trying to work on, is there really hope to overcome them? So I went to... Uh, Google, of course, which I always go to when I need any information, as I'm sure you do as well. And here's what I found. It was an article, so again, because Oprah's on my mind, um, because of listening to this audiobook with her and Dr. Bruce Perry. I found this article on OprahDaily.com, Nine Easy Ways to Learn How to Love Yourself More. And then it says, and we do mean unconditionally. This is back in March of this year, 2021, by Rachel Jacoby Zoldan. And because it's on the Oprah website, although Oprah didn't write it herself, it's kind of her flavor of information. And they include some quotes from Oprah. So there's nine ways listed here. I am only going to go through four, although... In the episode I just thought I was recording, I went through seven. So maybe it was all meant to be. Maybe it was going to be too long or a little bit boring or I don't know. But I've gone to acceptance and I'm just going to tell myself the story that this is going to be better, more streamlined, and it's just going to be, it's going to be good. Okay, so the number one thing that I am going to mention is Focus on eating well. Why is this? Before I get into reading 
um, the article by Rachel, I want to just mention that one of the thoughts that I've had on eating well is I think just eating well on its own is an act of self-love. We have this body that is so incredible. I mean, if you think about it, our heart pumps for what, on average, 80-something years, and it literally never misses a day, never misses an hour. If it does, well, (laughs) we're in trouble, right? So if you're still listening to me, your heart is like my heart. We've never missed an hour. It's never missed an hour of beating. Our brains work so well, even in the case of mental health. You know, pretty much 99% of the functioning of our brain in terms of keeping our liver going, our blood pumping, our, you know, heart going, all those different functions that we have, even in the case of mental health disorders and problems and poor mental health, our brain's still functioning really, really well. So we have this body and brain that's like the most expensive sports car on the planet, right? So do we want to fill our body with like the cheapest oil we can find and, you know, the sports car, the cheapest oil and the cheapest fuel and, or if you want to go into eco-friendly stuff like the cheapest batteries and you know what? I don't think so. If we have this incredibly expensive sports car, we are going to put into it the most expensive fuel, batteries, uh, accessories, all these types of things, right? What we put into this sports car is really important. And we'd never even think of putting the cheapest fuel in and whatever. So same thing with what we put into our bodies. Focus on eating well. I think it just shows that we recognize what a miracle our body is and our mind And it's an act of self-love. So let's get into the article. A balanced diet is about so much more than a so-called fit figure. In fact, promising research from the growing field of nutritional psychology has shown that eating better may help ease depression and anxiety, um, as well as lead to better mental health. A study published in the American Journal of Psychology found that women who ate primarily fruit, vegetables, meat, fish, and whole grains were less likely to be anxious and depressed than those who ate more processed, uh, sorry, than those who ate more processed, fried, and sugary foods. Um, Along the same lines, a 2016 study of more than 12,000 Australians concluded that those who increased the number of servings of fruits and vegetables that they ate reported, okay, get, get, get this, that they were happier and more satisfied with their life than those whose diets remained the same. Okay, so they increased the number of servings of fruits and vegetables and they reported that they were more happy and satisfied than those whose diets remained the same. Pretty darn cool. Okay, quote, focus on food that helps you feel, focus on food that helps you feel nourished and makes your body feel good, says Kelly Kitley, LCSW, a Chicago social worker and best-selling author of Myself, an autobiography of survival, 
who recommends eating whole, clean foods like fruits, veggies, legumes, and whole grains. Naturally, there's no denying the joys of potato chips, brownies, and other simple pleasures. If you do want to attempt to make some healthy swaps, try air-popped popcorn, dark chocolate-covered almonds, or one of these junk food alternatives. Click into that if you want, if you're reading the actual article on OprahDaily.com. I'm not going to click into it right now. And then she talks about vitamins as well. Very important. Uh, Leafy greens, colorful peppers, cruciferous vegetables. I don't know exactly what a cruciferous vegetable is. Let's ask Siri. Siri, what is a cruciferous vegetable? Here's some information. Okay. Cruciferous vegetable, a vegetable of the mustard family, especially mustard greens, various cabbages, broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts. Who knew? I've heard the term. I didn't really know exactly what it was. Okay, cool. So eat some of those cruciferous vegetables. They will do you good. And broccoli and cauliflower. Man, I love those. Just had some yesterday, some broccoli anyways, in a salad that Katie made. Cool. Keep affirming notes around. This is number two for the purposes of this podcast episode. So number one, going to go back to focus on eating well. Folks, it's an act of self-love. I am trying to cut down on my homemade banana splits, and I have done that through, interesting, something along the lines of keeping these affirming notes around. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. We tend to be hardest on ourselves, which is why it's so important to show yourself more compassion. One easy trick to do this, grab a stack of sticky notes and write 10 to 15 positive uh, skills or traits about yourself. Okay, so 10 to 15 positive skills or traits about yourself. It says if you have trouble, you can ask family members and friends too. Get some help from them. Then place each note around your home on the bathroom mirror, next to your lamp, cabinet, fridge, etc. to serve as daily reminders of just how awesome you are. Suggest La Quista Arena, I hope I said that right, PhD, a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of Thrive Behavioral Health and Consulting in New Jersey. Another option. This is cool. I remember talking about this on the episode where I was just talking into the microphone and thought I was recording. Try writing a letter to yourself. This can be particularly helpful when you're going through a tough time. In fact, a study in the Journal of Positive Psychology found that participants who wrote a self-compassionate letter every day for a week, get this, reported lower symptoms of depression and greater happiness for up to three months later, just from writing one letter a day to yourself, to themselves, for a week. Lower symptoms of depression, greater happiness, up to three months later. I'm going to try it. And, cool, I, I would encourage you to try it too. To do this, spend, okay, 
Number one, one paragraph acknowledging the fact that you're indeed going through a rough patch. Okay, so we're not going to lie to ourselves here. Great idea. I love being honest with myself and not lying to myself. And I, you know, I kind of recommend that. Another paragraph reminding yourself that there are many people struggling with the same thing that you're going through. And the final paragraph focusing on constructive changes, which can help you make help make you feel happier. So what about people like me that like to be really wordy and long-winded on paper? What if I want to write like 75 paragraphs? Maybe I'll make the first 25, the way she says, do the second 25, and then the third group of 25 focusing on the constructive changes. Okay, then hang it in a space where you spend lots of time, which will prompt you to be more self compassionate. Great idea. I'm going to skip over that one, going to skip over that one, going to skip over that one, and get to number three for purposes of this podcast episode. Change your inner dialogue. Okay, so last time when I thought I was recording this podcast, I told a wonderful story, which I am going to tell you again now that... Am I still recording? I'm going to go back and check. Yes, I'm still recording. Okay. It's about our 11-year-old daughter, Katie, who is such a sweetheart. If she heard me talking about her, she'd be, Dad, don't talk about me. But I want to talk about her, and I'll tell you why. When it comes to changing your inner dialogue, it's very a really interesting thing. How do you know whether your own inner dialogue or someone else's inner dialogue is negative or positive. Well, you know what? It's actually really not tough to figure out. Of course, on your own, you can just say, okay, self, I'm just going to begin to focus on what's going on in my thoughts. But you know what an easier way is to just focus on what comes out of your mouth as far as what you say to other people about yourself And if you want to figure out how someone else is feeling about themselves and what their inner dialogue is, all you got to do is close your mouth, open your ears, and really listen to what someone else is saying about themselves and kind of the words they use to describe different situations. And man, it don't take long before you're going to figure out what's going on in their head about themselves and other things too. Just listen. Okay, so this is where you can get a lot of clues listening to other people, but also kind of observing. So the other day, this would have been a few weeks ago, but I notice it every day. I go into Katie's room. This could have even been a few months ago, okay? Um, and I see this sign that she has set up on her desk. It's, uh, let's say, probably six inch by six inch little one of those little black boards that you can buy at the dollar store and then you have these white letters that you press onto the board and you can make like a little message and so Katie has this message that says hey there beautiful and then it says something along the lines of you know don't worry about any challenges you come upon today Um, you got this You know, it's a really positive message. So I'm not quoting exactly, except the, hey, they're beautiful part. You know, you got this. And the message is, 
like so positive, like it's a message to herself. And I thought, you know, this is indicative of her inner dialogue. This girl feels pretty darn good about herself and in a very positive way, not a, you know, overconfident way, but she's encouraging herself. And I thought, man, at 47 years old, I can learn from our 11-year-old daughter about my inner dialogue and what it would, what it really, I don't like using the word should because it indicates shame, right? But really, my inner dialogue, if it was closer to what obviously Katie's inner dialogue is, would help me to feel much better about the way it would give me better feelings about myself. Bottom line, what that sign on her desk indicates to me is that she already understands self-love very well because of the way that she talks to herself. It's in a very loving, very kind, very positive way. Unfortunately, I have found one of my weaknesses is having my inner dialogue sometimes be pretty darn critical and harsh. In fact, I have found, and I admitted this in the episode that I record that I thought I was recording, just gonna say it again. I find that often I am more critical and harsh with my inner dialogue than I ever have been or ever will be with anybody sometimes even with my worst enemy. And I don't even know who my worst enemy is because I don't really consider like hardly anybody. I can't even think of a worst enemy, which is, I guess, a good thing. So inner dialogue, if I was to say, Dave, good on you. You don't have any enemies. Okay. However, it's amazing when you think of your inner dialogue, and I want to give you this challenge Just put a focus on your inner dialogue and see, are you saying things to yourself like, hey, they're beautiful, you got this? Or are you saying, like our 11-year-old daughter, Katie, or are you saying things more like, you stupid idiot, why did you do that? Right? Like what happened when I realized that I was talking into the microphone and enjoying the sound of my voice and feeling connected to you as my listener, and yet it wasn't recording any longer. And I kind of felt the sense of, Dave, you idiot, why didn't you kind of think of this ahead of time? And I'm being pretty vulnerable when I say this because I don't I don't like the fact that my internal dialogue is like that, but to be real honest, a lot of times it is. And I believe that that is also a big contributing factor to the fact that I still continue to struggle with some mental health challenges. So change your inner dialogue. What does that translate into? I believe it translates into better mental health. So with that as a background, Katie's sign in her room, change your inner dialogue. Let's get back to the Oprah article. To that end, so it is important to learn to tweak what you're saying about yourself. Quote, We all have some degree of negative self-talk, much of which happens without our awareness. That is why it's so important to become, so, sorry, 
I'm going to start that again. That is why it's so important to practice becoming aware of when you are internally beating yourself up. And what do you need to say? Tell yourself to stop. So just like you might set a boundary, this is me speaking again, again now, I'm not, I'm not reading the article. So like you would set a boundary to someone, even someone close to you that began to emotionally beat your, that, that began to emotionally beat you up by what they were saying, and you may say something like, hold on, um, I recognize that you're not happy with what I just did or said or whatever it might be but it is not acceptable. This is a boundary. It is not acceptable for you to speak to me in that way. If you want me to listen to what you are going to say, you're going to need to start saying it with a little less rudeness and a little more love. Otherwise, you're going to have to stop. We need to set that boundary with ourselves. I need to set that boundary with myself. Let's continue on in the article. One way to do this, to tell yourself to stop, turn the negative talk, like calling yourself stupid, like I kind of did when I realized I'm talking into the microphone, but I wasn't recording, into something more positive. So she says, think, sometimes I make mistakes, but I'm a smart and successful person. Okay, so that's really what I could do. You know what, Dave? Sometimes you make mistakes like this. You're talking into the microphone and wasting all this time. You're thinking you're connecting with your listeners. You're thinking you're recording this great podcast episode, but really your software program stopped recording. And you can think, you know what? This happens to people. This is just one of those things. You know what? I make mistakes, but really, fundamentally, I am a smart and successful person. Okay, so I'm going to tell myself that. Changing the way you talk to yourself is a big part of increased self-esteem and ultimately self-love. So, I really want to underscore that one. I had a teacher once and he would say at the end of every uh, class, if you only remember one thing about today, remember this. I would say if you only remember one thing from this podcast episode, remember to work on changing your inner dialogue, right? Starts by becoming aware of it, setting boundaries if you start beating yourself up, and changing. Okay, number four, get outdoors. And the reason I'm including this one, even though, I don't know, it might even seem like one of those less important things to develop self-love, I think it may be a little more important than we sometimes believe. And when I read this article to um, prepare for this episode, and then when I read through it, when I thought I was recording, but I wasn't, what really got me about this, and one of my main thoughts was, Hmm, maybe this is why I love the outdoors so much. I love riding my dirt bike in the mountains or even close to our home hill here on some hills or even like right across from our house in the ditch or, you know, in the field, that kind of thing. Um, It's just wonderful to be outdoors in the backyard going for a power walk, uh, you know, next to the creek down uh, downtown. Um, 
And you got to understand our downtown is not really a downtown. It's in, in nature. Um, and uh, where else? Um, you know, in the mountains, out at Waterton, whatever. I, I just love spending time in nature. And when I read this, get outdoors as a, you know, title of one of the certain things that you can do to develop self-love, I thought, ding, ding, ding. I think this is why I love the outdoors. Without any further ado, let's get into this. The research is indisputable. Being in nature makes you feel better. A 2010 study published in Environmental Health and Preventative Medicine found that spending time outside induced positive emotions, while a 2015 study concluded that it can also reduce stress. Not to mention that it's also been associated with an increase in creativity and cognition. Spending 15 minutes a day outside, and I would say or more, resets the nervous system to a place of balance while also turning off our fight or flight response. Wow. When I read that before twice, there's a little ding, 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 a little bell that went off in my head that reminded me again of this audiobook that I've been listening to of Oprah's and Dr. Bruce Perry. And that is, what is the flight or fight response, fight or flight response associated with? Well, it is a natural response, but it's also associated with trauma. So let's just think this through here. So we've got some of these abnormal behaviors that happen. They're based in trauma, even though we may not understand why. And we may not even make that connection. But according to this audiobook, they definitely are. So what happens when we spend time in nature? It turns off our flight or fight, fight or flight response, according to this article. What does that tell us? If you've suffered some trauma, big T trauma, like war, or little T trauma, like emotional abuse, or even other things that you interpret as being traumatic that are still able to evoke the same type of, um, I don't know, trauma-type responses like fight or flight. Spending time in nature going to help you. And I think that's why I feel such a draw to it. I do feel like when I'm in nature, I feel like I'm healing. So... I'm going to recommend more nature to me as a prescription for working through some of the things I work through on a daily basis that are associated with trauma. And I want to recommend it to you as well. Okay, let's continue on. When we are outside, it is hard to be so self-critical. We are breathing more pure oxygen and we are surrounded by natural beauty. So, Sasson suggests, so the person that's talking about nature that they're quoting in this article, Sasson suggests that you walk barefoot in the dirt. Yes, really. While focusing on your breath. Barefoot in the dirt. We've got some dirt in the backyard. Maybe I should go try this right after I'm done. It'll all help you get out of your own head, she says. And if you can't get outside... 
try bringing a bit of nature indoors, even if it's just putting a succulent on your dining room table, as a bit of greenery can also help make you happier too. Plus, plants may help you sleep better. So I'm looking on my desk now, and I'm looking over at two IKEA plants. They're little ones in a little metal silver bucket, but they're gorgeous. And when I look at them, they do. They make me feel happier. And when I look at the trees outside and the shrubs that Amy has and the flowers, I got to tell you, this is a key to better mental health and loving yourself. It has to do with showing yourself self-love. You want to heal. You want to increase your level of self-love. It's simple. You just got to do those things which are showing love to yourself, like spending time in nature. Last one. And I'm reading through this even though, again, it's not like one of those sexy ones like the last one that we just went through. Get outdoors. Okay, get outdoors. But it's so true. Help out a neighbor. And I'm just going to call it service if I was putting the title on it. Volunteering, or I'm going to add just giving service to someone, serving someone, but not expecting any pay, will always help you feel better, even though it's not a function of doing anything directly for yourself. So, quote, look around and see what acts of small service you can do after your basic needs are met says Dr. Meg Howarth, a a psychotherapist based in L.A. Quote, help a neighbor take in the groceries, pick up the trash on the street, do the dishes for a friend, reach out to someone you know is sad or lonely to say hello. Amen, Dr. Meg. Okay, and I wish I was down with you in L.A. some days when it's freezing cold here in the middle of the winter, but... Doing service, serving others helps us to get out of our own preoccupation with our problems and focus on helping make someone else's life better. And it's this like magical thing that happens and we just begin to feel so good. I know from experience this works. It can be as simple as... I know that Amy would be really excited if I uh, got the bathroom clean before she gets home from work, let's say. Uh, And I might take half an hour out of my work in my home office to do that. And I think sometimes, oh, can I really justify the time? You know what? It's going to make her so happy. And really, I think what a lot of it does is it makes me happy to know that she's going to be happy, that I'm serving her and she's going to come home and go, oh, thank you for doing that. Like, okay, it is my job, so I should be doing it more regularly anyways, just to admit that sometimes I don't keep it up. But she'll go, hallelujah, you know, thank you. This isn't, I guess it really isn't serving her, but it's something that is going to make her happy. And I know that. Um... Let me give another example. Uh, In our church, we are assigned to help different people. And there's three different families 
that we're assigned to. And one of the families that I am assigned to has several children. And um, I don't want to go into personal details, but I have the opportunity to help them from time to time. When I do get a text or a phone call and I am asked to help, it's the funniest thing. Sometimes my initial thought is, ooh, you know what? I don't know if I have time to help out today or I don't know if that's going to work for me. But then I think, you know what? I need to serve. I need to do this. This family needs my help. It's tough to reach out sometimes because you just want to be independent. You don't want to bug others. They've reached out. They've made this leap that's taken a lot of courage. I need to help them. I want to tell you something. Without exception, when I am done doing whatever it is that they've asked me to help out with, whether it's the same day or you know maybe a few days later when I can get time to work it in, without exception, I feel great. And I look back and I think, you know, at the end of my life, am I going to wish that I said, nah, sorry, I'm too busy to help you with that? Or am I going to be grateful that I didn't say that and that I made the time to help without exception? I think to myself, I'm going to be grateful that I made the time. And you know what? Who benefited most from that service that I gave? And a lot of times, I think it's really me. Folks, it's a big secret. It seems so darn counterintuitive. I'm going to go help someone else and I'm going to feel better. No, no, no. I need to help myself. That's how I'll feel better. You know what? There are things we need to do for ourselves as acts of self-love, as we have talked about, right? We've talked about um, how important it is to eat well, right? That's one of the acts of self-love, to keep affirming notes around. We've talked about that as well. We've talked about how important it is to change our inner dialogue um, and to get outdoors and to help a neighbor. But I really got to tell you, I don't know, like where do you rank these things? They're all so important. I really feel strongly that service, although it seems so counterintuitive, can often be one of the most powerful ways to begin loving ourselves. We love others first, right? And we manifest that love through service. Okay, well, I'm going to leave it at that for today. Thank you so much for listening. And it's been wonderful to actually be able to connect with you rather than think that I'm connecting and then realize that I was talking into the microphone, but you weren't really there because it wasn't recording. And I just want to leave with this disclaimer, of course, that this podcast is not a substitute for professional diagnosis or treatment of any mental health disorder or challenge um, but if you or someone you love needs more information, please go to helpguide.org where you can get a lot of help. I would really love your help on something as well. If you would be, if you would love to help me out, I would love it if you would just officially go to the podcast and subscribe and take just 30 seconds to leave feedback. That would be so helpful to me. It helps me, um, continue to producing the show to 
Let me try, try that again. It helps me continue producing the show because more people are able to find it. And also, if you have loved what you've heard, um, I would love for you to share with one or two other people um, this podcast so that they can get the information that they may need to be able to help with their mental health. So thank you again for taking the time to be with me. I'm so excited to meet with you again next week. And before I go, I just want you again to picture with me wherever you are. Imagine in your mind that I'm giving you a great big Canadian bear hug and imagine me telling you, I love you. I believe in you. You got this. Take it from someone who knows how you feel. Things will get better. Hang in there. You'll be so happy you did. Okay. I love you guys. Have a great week. Bye-bye.